right, if you have your Bibles tonight, turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter number Second Timothy chapter two. To start off with, we're going to look at two verses. These going to these are going to be the verses that we focus on mainly tonight. We're going to start in verse number twenty. But in a great house. There are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Tonight, the sermon that we're going to focus on, I'm going to title it, A Vessel of Honor. I think that all of us as believers in this room want to be a vessel of honor. We're going to dig into this scripture tonight and hopefully encourage your hearts. Let's begin with a word of prayer, though. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight, and we thank you so much for the music. Thank you for music that uplifts you, Lord God, that glorifies you and honors you. And I pray tonight that in this service... Lord, we wouldn't just uplift you with our songs, but in our hearts, God, we would exalt your word and decide tonight that we're going to obey you, Lord. Whatever you call us to do, help us to decide, Lord, we want to honor you and obey your word, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So first, I want to think about what is the purpose of a vessel. Paul here used this example when he was talking to Timothy about a variety of vessels that we have within our house. Some of them are made of different materials. And vessels are, it's like a cup or a bowl or a plate, things that are in your house that you use to store things, mainly a lot, a lot of times when it refers to it in the Bible, it was liquids. And so the, the, the person who owned it, they would fill that vessel up and they would use it for whatever purpose they want. If you have a bowl and you fill it up and you're going to eat food, the purpose is it to hold the food so you can eat it. And the owner decides what he's going to do with that vessel. You own your vessel. You're going to put in that vessel what you decide to put in it. Tonight, we are vessels that God desires to use. As a believer, as a Christian, as a member of this church, God desires to use us. And we are vessels. And Paul said some of the vessels are vessels that we honor and some are dishonorable vessels. God wants to use us to get his word and to spread it to the world. God has a plan. God has a, a, a design. And we saw from the, this morning's scriptures that God is not willing that any should perish. God's will is that everybody would come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, that they would repent of their sins and turn to the Savior. That's God's will. And here's the good news. God wants to use you and I to get that done. But some of us are not vessels of honor. Some of us are not vessels that God can really use. When I think about this, God, He wants to fill us with His goodness, with His blessings, with His word. And in return, He wants us as a vessel to be used to help other people. In the scriptures, there's different places. I'm going to turn to Hosea. If you would like to go there, just hold your place because we'll come back here. 
But in Hosea, chapter 8, verse number 8, this is Old Testament, just to show you an example in the past. In the Old Testament, Hosea 8, 8. Israel is swallowed up. Now shall they be among the Gentiles as a vessel wherein is no pleasure. So God said that they were going to be a vessel wherein is no pleasure. A vessel that is not desirable. To me, that's kind of like the dishonorable vessel that's spoken of here in the New Testament. And the reason that they were going to be a, a vessel with no pleasure is because of their sins. Because of how they were uh, responding to God's word and how they were acting in their lives. That made them a vessel of no pleasure. So tonight, I want to ask you a question. There's two vessels that, that Paul told Timothy were in the church here. One is those that are honored and those that are dishonored. Tonight, as we go through this message, what type of vessel are you? I want you to think about this tonight and answer it in your mind as we go through the scripture. Think about your own life. What kind of vessel am I? How am I being used of God? So with that in mind, we're going to stay here in uh, 2 Timothy. But look with me in verse number 14. We're going to go through some of these verses and we'll just comment on them. Verse 14. He tells Timothy, of these things, put them in remembrance. Charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. So right here, Paul told him, as, as Timothy, I want you to, to bring this to the church. I want you to remind them. I want you to charge them to what? To not use words that are no profit, but words that are subverting to the hearers. That word subverting, it means to overthrow Paul was telling Timothy that it's important, and we're going to look at this a lot tonight, the words that we use, the conversations that we have, is very important in the eyes of God. Because people within this church were saying things, teaching things that were false. And they did actually overthrow people. People left the faith because of, and Paul's going to call them out by name in this letter, because of the air that was in them. So Paul was talking about, do not use words that have no profit. Words that are unprofitable. And as we get into this, and, and I don't know if you can think of things, but we'll, we'll, we'll look at some examples tonight just from, from people around us. People, even in churches who claim to be believers, they can use their words in a very destructive way. And I'm not talking about just criticizing people but with error. And in this, in this chapter right here, Paul is going to talk to Timothy, and he's going to try to make him realize how important it is that we understand the Bible, that we understand the Scriptures. God doesn't want us to debate and contend with people over really empty and meaningless matters. And I can think of things in my mind tonight, examples, even from, from the past in this church, over empty and meaningless debates that have happened. And the Bible warns us right here that we should not do that. As believers, we should not debate over empty and meaningless things. There are important things in the scriptures. There are very, God's word is full of things that we need to know and understand and study. But sometimes we spend our time on things that are meaningless and empty, and, I'm sorry, empty and meaningless. 
Sometimes we focus on things that aren't really in the Bible. Sometimes, and it happens quite often with believers. And you're allowed to have opinions, and that's, that, that's fine. But we ought to be careful never to take our opinion and treat it like it's God's word and then try to bring other people along with us. We ought to treat God's word with respect. God's word as it is in truth, his word and not our own. The very next, very next verse, it's a very familiar verse. He tells him, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So these words that are no profit, one of the ways to stop these words is to get into the word of God and figure out God's truth. Now he told Timothy that he needs to focus in and study. And sometimes I think when a person can read their Bible, they can say that was to Timothy. You know, Timothy was a preacher. Paul told Timothy that it was important to study his Bible. But I want to I tell you tonight, it's important for you to study your Bible. It's important for you to know God's word. But not just to know it, you know what Paul told him to do? To rightly divide the word of truth. That means to interpret it correctly. Interpret God's word correctly. In the world that we live in, there are many, many, many misinterpretations of God's word. And whether you preach, whether you teach, whatever you do, you ought to always want to interpret God's word in the way that God would intend to do it. But I want to give you this encouragement if you teach a Sunday school class, if you ever preach, always take God's word seriously. I don't ever want to stand up here with my own message. If there are things in the Bible that I don't understand, I don't want to stand up here and pretend that I understand them. God has instructed us that we need to divide his word correctly. So if there's a right way to divide God's word, that means there's a wrong way to divide God's word, isn't there? And it happens. I was, uh, I was thinking when I was studying this, it was several years ago, I went to a funeral. Somebody that uh, was, was my fam a family member, they had passed away. And the service, this, this man stood up and he brought this message. And um, the guy who had passed away, he was a major baseball fan. He actually coached a team for, for young, uh, young kids. And he loved baseball. So this man was going to bring this message to encourage the people in the audience. So he starts off and he says, baseball is in the Bible. So automatically I'm like, what, what's this guy talking about? He's going to teach me something that I've never heard before. And he did. So he goes to Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1. And when he reads, in the beginning, you know, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. He said, in the big inning. Now, if you know nothing about baseball, then you probably have no idea what an inning is. But if you know baseball, you know what an inning is. So he used that right there, this one verse out of the Bible, which is a great verse. It's a verse about God creating the world. And it's very clear, is it not? It, Genesis 1-1 is a very clear verse. A child can understand that verse. This man took that verse and he used it for the rest of his time to try to prove that this man was going to be in heaven coaching a baseball team. Where did that come from? It came from his own mind. But how do you misrepresent scripture like that? And after the, after the service, one of my family members came up to me and said, that was a great, great message, wasn't it? No, it's not a great message. 
He lied to you. Nowhere in the Bible does God say that we're going to have a baseball team in heaven and hopefully I'm going to be the coach of it. And it's funny, but it's kind of sad, isn't it? It's kind of sad that people can take the scriptures, take, and a lot of times, you know, you know where a lot of error comes from? When you open your Bible and you read one verse of scripture and then you try to make that mean whatever it is there. You got to, one thing I encourage you to do when you read your Bible, read the context. Always know what's going on. Understand the surroundings, not just one scripture, but not just that. Sometimes we can take a scripture, and, and the Bible even tells us this. We need to compare the scripture with other scriptures, right? Is it taught throughout the Bible? Is that concept taught throughout the Bible? Is God's word showing me this? I don't know if you've ever uh, looked into it or heard anybody who preaches on numerology, but people preach on numerology and they, they preach on numbers, like number one, and I don't know any of it, so I'm not going to you know, pretend I do. But they say number one, it means this specific thing. So they go to a verse and they say, this is verse number one, chapter number one, and this is the first word in chapter one, verse one. And then that automatically means something to them. And they, they, they have all different things. And just for fun, I've, I've listened to, I'm, I'm going to confess, I've listened to a sermon of this guy preached on numerology. And the entire time, I could not, I, I laughed. I mean, it's sad, but I was laughing because I have no idea where this guy is getting his, his words from. And I want to tell you this. Because, you know, they use the, the King James Bible and they use the Bible. But... When this Bible was written, first off, it wasn't written in English. Second off, when our Bible was translated, it didn't have chapters and verses. So if God wanted us to understand the number of things, why would he wait all the way until now? And also, if it's a different translation, let's say it's in Spanish, I mean, how does numerology work for them? What if they're, it's all different? The, the, the key is this, you cannot stand on things that are not in the Bible. That's what he was trying to teach Timothy. And teach this to the people in the church. Don't take the scriptures and interpret them the way that you want to. He said, make sure you are rightly dividing the word of truth. I'll use, I, I got another example. And th this is just some examples of people who, they misuse the Bible. I listened to the sermon, and this guy, man, I'm confessing all these bad sermons I'm listening to up here. I'm sorry. <laughs> By the way, let me tell you this before I go on, because this just popped into my head. I don't listen to these sermons to try to get my own sermons from these guys. It's just sometimes I hear these crazy things, so I'm like, I got, I got to listen to this guy. So this guy, is he's a Baptist preacher, and he was preaching a sermon. I let my wife listen to this one, part of it. Uh, in 1 Kings chapter 14, 10, I'm not going to go there. God talks about how he's going to take away all of the males from uh, Jeroboam because of the sins that he had committed. And he, the, the Bible uses language to describe a man, pretty much the fact that he can use the restroom standing up. I'm not going to say what it is right here because I don't want your kids to ask you later on what this means. But if you read that later on, you can read it, like I said, in 1 Kings 14.10. So this guy preached the sermon. And he said, wherever he met his wife from, I think it was Germany, he said they had signs on the restroom that you could not use the restroom standing up, which is weird, but whatever. It is what it is. 
So then he started preaching the sermon that a man uses the restroom standing up. And if you sit down to use the restroom, you're not a man. So he went on to preach. And as he's preaching, he says, you know what's wrong with people in America? You know what's wrong with the men in America? They use the bathroom sitting down. I have no idea where he got this from. So he's preaching this. So then he starts calling out people's names. This brother such and such, he's not a real man. He uses the bathroom sitting down. And he says, he says Barack Obama, he was president then. Barack Obama is not a man because he uses the bathroom sitting down. He has no idea, first off, what he, you know, any of that. But secondly, that is not in the scriptures. That's not Bible doctrine. But he used it for Bible doctrine. And that's, that's a man who claims to be a Baptist. So believe me, and, and there are plenty of people who have these, these crazy ideas that they don't get from the Bible by interpreting it correctly. So tonight, I just want to encourage us as members in the church, if you want to be a vessel of honor used of God, you have to, you have to interpret His Word correctly. You can't misinterpret God's Word. Let's look nextly. We're going to look at verse number 16. He said, But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. Shun means to avoid them. Not to be involved in them, but, but to, to walk away from them pretty much. We know that we should always shun profane babbling, profane things that come out of our mouth. Profanity is not a good thing. And I'm not just talking about using certain words. I'm just talking about your conversation being unholy. We should not have unholy conversations. Young people, you should not have unholy conversations. Adults, when you go to work, you should not have unholy conversations. Profane. You know what I'm talking about, and we understand that. In the church of God, God's people should not be known for having profane conversations. But he didn't just say profane. He said vain. We know what vain means, right? It's empty. It's meaningless. I'm not saying that we can't talk about our kids. I'm not saying we can't talk about whatever, certain things. But as God's people, we ought to be careful and guard the conversations that we have. And a lot of times when you say vain things, when you have meaningless conversation, then we can get into things that we should never be talking about. And God knows that. In Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19, the Bible says this, In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. That verse right there is uh, pretty much the more you talk, the easier it is to fall into sin. This is a good verse to teach your children. You don't have to talk all the time. <laughs> or maybe your wife. Who knows? <laughs> just kidding. But in, in all reality, when we just always are, you, you know how it is. We've all said things that we didn't mean. We've all been in conversations. And sometimes you just get to talking and you don't really think about what you're saying. Sometimes you say things you shouldn't say. And God tries to warn us against that here. We don't need to have vain babblings. Don't babble. 16, it says it's going to increase into more ungodliness. And then look in verse 17. And their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenius and Philetus. 
So this word that they have, the false teaching or the vain speaking, the profanity, whatever it is, the speaking that is not wholesome and not right with God, the Bible says their word is like a canker, like gangrene. It's like poison, and it spreads. And if we don't take care of it, if you don't take care of a part of your body that gets gangrene, you know what they do with it? They chop it off because it dies. Words can be so destructive. Here's the thing about God. God wants to use us. And one of the ways He uses us is by taking His message to people. But the flip side of that is we can be a dishonorable vessel that is not, that we're not using our words to help people. We're not using our words to encourage people. We're not using our words to teach people the truth, but we're actually turning them away from God if we're not careful. That's what these men did. Verse 18. Who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. These two men that he spoke of in verse 17, he said they, they, they were teaching that God's resurrection, Jesus had already come back, it was done. Which was a lie, it was, it was error. And Paul said they actually overthrew the faith of some that were in that congregation. I don't want to be known as the person who overthrows the faith of people. I want to be the one who points people to God. I want to be the vessel that is the vessel of honor that God can use to bring people to Him. I don't want to be the one who is going to teach people the wrong things and lead them into error. And none of us should have that desire tonight. But one thing we have to do is we have to be on guard. We have to know God's Word. Our words can be destructive. Look in verse 19. He says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. That's good news, isn't it? Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Even though there is error, and even though the Bible teaches that error is going to be more prominent in, in the last days, that people are actually going to start falling away from the truth, the foundation of God is a sure thing. God's word is always true. The Lord Jesus Christ is the foundation of the church. And the foundation is never going to crumble. The foundation is sure it will last forever. God's word will always remain true. We need the Lord. We need him in our church. We need him to help us to be what we need to be. So we're going to look in now, now that we looked at some of these surrounding verses, just to kind of give you a build up to what he's saying here about being a vessel of honor. Look in verse 21. If a man therefore purge himself from these. So he's going to tell us how we need to be a vessel of honor. And the first thing he said is we need to purge ourselves. We need to purge ourselves. He had just spoken about air and corruption and our words. We need to purge ourselves. And then he spoke in verse 19 about departing from iniquity. Purge means to make ourselves free of something that is unwanted, undesirable. Pretty much to clean up is what it is. My wife is excellent at purging things around the house. I am not a hoarder, but... Sometimes I keep things that are not always useful. I'm not going to lie about that. 
One of her favorite things to do, though, and I think she would admit this, is whenever she gets to throw junk away. She did that yesterday. It was yesterday, yeah. So she's going through my junk. Do you use this? Do you use this? Do you use this? I had an old uh, electric razor, and the charger was broken the day I bought it. It was kind of a bummer, but it didn't even work, so I went to turn it on. I'm like, yeah, I'm getting rid of this, I guess. It, had, it probably sat in my drawer for a couple of years. That's not bad, right? She loves to purge. I'm not, I mean, I, I, I do it willingly, but not always there. Even the refrigerator, she gets in the refrigerator, something's been in there for several days that I meant to eat, but I never ate. She's like, are you going to eat this? Ah, oh, man, I forgot that was in there. So she loves to get rid of things. In the Christian life, some people are really good at purging their lives. Getting rid of the unwanted things, the, the things that are not desired by God. And then some people are not so good. They leave their life full of clutter, full of things of the world. But I want to tell you tonight, if you, and by the way, any of us in this room can be used of God. But if you're going to be used of God, you have to learn how to remove the things in your life that God does not want in there. You have to learn how to purge yourself. It's something that we must do. Aren't you glad that to be an honorable vessel, God didn't say you had to look good enough? Because let's be honest, most of you in this room, whew, just kidding. But what if God said you had to have a certain talent? You have to be smart enough. You have to be able to sing better than other people. See, God's requirement is not that we are good enough, but the fact that we are willing to remove the things from our life that God does not want in there. Think about it just like you would think of your house. Let's say whatever you had for dinner last night, if you had it in a bowl, and you ate it, and you got down to the bottom, but you left you know, the bits inside of it, and it crusted on and hardened, and you didn't wash your bowl. Are you going to pick up that bowl tonight and then put some more food in there? before you clean it? If you, if you would do that, please don't tell me, because I don't want to know. Because <laughs> that's just gross. But just like that to us would be something that we would not do, because it's, it's pretty disgusting, right? When God sees our lives, and we're holding on to things that He doesn't want in there, God can't really use us. He can't fill us up. He, can, he can't use us in the way that He desires and it's not because he won't. It's because we're holding on to things that we shouldn't. It's because there, there's clutter in our life. God's an amazing God. And it's amazing to me that God would even care enough to use a person like me. But he, he wants to. He desires that. And he desires to use you. But let me ask you this. Are you purging your life from the things that don't belong in there. Are you doing that? Tonight, if you answer no, then you can't really be a vessel of honor. You can't be a vessel that God is going to take and use. But the good news is, you can change that. You have the ability to change that tonight. We need to confess our sins. We need to forsake our sins. The Bible teaches that throughout, even... Here in uh, 2 Timothy, verse 16, he talked about shunning or avoiding certain things. Verse 19, he talked about those that named the name of Jesus Christ. They needed to depart from iniquity. 
In verse 22, he talks to Timothy about fleeing youthful lust. Verse 23, he talks about avoiding foolish and unlearned questions. He gives Timothy guidelines on what should get out of your life, what you should avoid, what you should not go to, to really be able to serve God. It's not something that we can just sit idly by and it happens magically in our life. We must be active at purging our life. And we must purge our life when necessary. All of us have issues and problems. There's not one of us in the, in, in the room tonight who, who does not have an issue or a problem. And when God puts his finger on your heart and he tells you he wants you to get rid of something, are you willing to get rid of it? Are you willing to give it up for him? Are you willing to let God have his way? If you're not, you're not going to be very useful to the Lord. So we must purge when it's necessary. So we talked about what type of vessel are you. Hopefully you're thinking of that in your mind. But then as we look in verse 21 again, he said, If you purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use. We know what that word sanctified is. We've kind of went over that the last few Sunday evenings talking about salvation. Sanctified, set apart separated and dedicated to God. God wants to set us apart for His service, to be His servant. God wants to use His people. So we must purge ourselves, but we must also be set apart for God, sanctified. And then He said, meat. Not talking about food. It's not how it's spelled. Meat. The word meat means easily used, useful, profitable. I can tell you tonight that I am not worthy to stand up here before you. And I mean that. I don't just say that to say that. I am not worthy to take God's word and to preach it. I feel very unworthy because, because of who I am. I know who I am. But here's the great thing. God wants to clean our lives up through the blood of Jesus and by us staying away from things that we know are wrong. And when we purify our lives and we consecrate ourselves to God, the Bible says that we can be meet, ready, useful for God's service. Are we profitable for God? God is looking for people today. I, I can assure you of that. The Bible tells us that. Did you know that, the, that when Jesus was on earth, he said the harvest is plenteous, meaning there, there are plenty of things to do to serve God. But guess what? The laborers are few. The laborers are few. There's few that are willing to really give their lives and their hearts to God. That's kind of a sad truth, isn't it? When you really think about it. That there's a world out there dying in their sins. And there are few that are willing to really dedicate themselves to God. For God's service. Are you willing tonight? Do you want to be profitable for the service of God? As I'm thinking about this, I, uh, I'm thinking about this, this well-known preacher. And once again, he, he was a preacher of a Baptist church. It's been years ago. He was, uh, he was caught in criminal activities. And he's in prison now. And the things that he did were, were, were horrible. And here, here's, in my opinion, this is, this is a dishonorable vessel, once again. You're serving God. 
or you, you want to serve God, you say you're serving God, but all the while you're holding on to these things of the world. And you know they're in your life, you know that you should get rid of them. And this hurts especially a preacher in a church who stands up before people and he preaches the word of God and he preaches against sin and he preaches what's right and wrong, but in his life it's full of clutter. He's a hypocrite. And when that, when that man, when he's found out, by the way, sin, the Bible says, God told us that, be sure your sin will find you out. Your sin is gonna, it's gonna be exposed one day. It, it does so much to harm the testimony of God's people. Really, the testimony of God Himself. And from that, a lot of times, people, like people in that community, get, they get a bad taste in their mouth. And what happens, instead of bringing people to Jesus Christ, you're actually turning people away and making them think, why would I ever want that? We should be, want to be vessels that bring people to God and show them how good God really is. God's wonderful. God's amazing. Are you meat for the master's use tonight? Are you ready? Are you available? Are you going to be profitable to God? God wants to use you. But are you ready? And then he said, and prepared unto every good work. Prepared, a person who, once again, they're prepared and available and ready to serve the Lord. Sometimes God brings us through certain things in life to prepare us for service to Him. And I, I can't help but think of, in the Bible, Joseph, who was mistreated. There was a lot of injustice done to him. But God was bringing him to a place where he was going to be used in a way that I'm sure Joseph had no idea was ever going to be true. Joseph probably, in his wildest dreams, never had any idea what God wanted him for. But he had these dreams, and he had these, and, and God was trying to show him. Can you imagine if Joseph would have given up on God and said, God, you don't care for me anymore. I'm done. I've faithfully served you. I've loved you. I've tried to follow you, God. All you've done is let me go from from a, a pit into a prison hole? I don't want to do this anymore. What if he would have said, I'm done? I tell you what, when you read about Joseph, he wasn't done. And when he comes out of that, when he comes out of prison and he interprets those dreams and, and Pharaoh says how great he is, he points it right back to God. And, say, and, and when his brothers come and they find him and they, they think he's going to be so angry, you know what he says? You meant it to be mean, hateful. You meant it for bad for me. But God, guess what? God had good things in mind. And I want to tell you tonight, God has good things in mind for us. And it's not about the vessel. Even though we need to keep our vessel clean and pure, tonight it's not really about the vessel. The focus is not on the person who is serving God, but it's on the master. The master is the one who it's all about. The master is the one that we should say, Lord, fill us. We want to be used of you. God, I'm a willing vessel tonight. Use me in whatever way you see fit. Do we have a heart for the things of God? Do we have a desire to serve the Lord? God wants to use you tonight.
But are you available? Are you clean? Are you pure? Are you purging yourself? Are you walking in the truth of God's word? You can't be used of God if you're not getting into God's word. Because God's not going to give you any direction if you're not getting into his word. Are you in God's word tonight? Are you rightly dividing it? Do you have a desire to help people? At the end of this chapter, when he was talking to Timothy, he talked about in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. You know how we're going to get recover people out of the snare of the devil? By bringing the truth to them. By bringing the truth to them. we got to be in God's word. Sometimes we get busy in life. And there's so many other things that are important to us. So many things that matter so much to us. And we neglect our service to the Lord. And I know right now with, with all the things going on, some of our ministries have stopped. But, but that doesn't mean that you have to stop serving God. That doesn't mean that you're just going to take a little vacation. God wants us to serve Him till the end. And the end is coming. The end is near. There's going to be a day where we can no longer serve the Lord in the capacity that we can right now. That day is coming. Jesus said, work, for the night is coming. It's coming, and it's coming fast. It's not too late. If you haven't been serving God, it is not too late. If you've been sitting idly by, if you haven't really cared, if you haven't had a, a passion to be used of God tonight, that can change. And it's not about building a great name for you. It's about exalting our great God to this world. Because they need to see Him. Tonight, you can be used of God. So in your seat, as we close and have a word of prayer, I want you to think about your own life. Are you a vessel of honor? A vessel that God can use at any time, at any place? You don't know when God needs you, but God knows. And there are going to be times in life where God, He wants to use you. And you need to be ready. You need to be available right then and right there. Preparing tonight, today, tomorrow for the service of the Lord. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for the fact that you desire to use us. I pray for this church tonight. I pray for these people, for individuals, that the Spirit of God moving, working in people's hearts would call people and draw people. God, help us as your people to remove the things from our lives that are displeasing to you and to be ready and available and be useful, Lord. We ask these things in your name. Amen.